1: Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome everyone to the Liverpool.com podcast, I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Ben Bokshak and even though the 2023 summer transfer window is only just finished, we're going to now cast our minds forward to next year and what Liverpool's transfer priorities might be and the starting point for that is to look at what the squad is provisionally set to look like when you account for the current contract situation players coming back from loan loan moves as well. So I'm just going to run through um, each department of the team and then we'll kind of make a start and, and look through which areas are going to need to be addressed with further signings. Obviously been a busy summer already um, this year and there's probably going to be a further surge of activity on the way. So goalkeepers, Alison Keller and Marcelo Pitaluga. Adriana's is, is out of contract in the summer. Right-backs, Alexander-Arnold, Bradley and Ramsey. Ramsey obviously coming back from Preston. Centre-backs, Van Dijk, Canate and Gomez. Massive out of contract, but Vandenberg, Phillips and Williams should be coming back. Left-backs, Robertson and Simakas. Moving into midfield, start with the number sixes, uh, Endo and Bisesic. Central midfield, McAllister, Sobersly, Gravenberch, Jones, Elliott and Cavallo. Come back from Leipzig, although it was maybe a little bit fractious, the circumstances of his ex. So, interesting to see what happens there. And then onto the forwards. Right wing, Mohamed Salah and Ben Doak. Centre forwards, Nunez and Gakpo. And then left wingers, Diaz and Jota as well. And I forgot to mention that Thiago is currently set to leave as well at the end of the season. So, that's what the squad looks like at a glance, Ben, at the moment. Obviously, we don't know how things are going to pan out. There will inevitably, inevitably be unexpected departures from that group so before we get into the positions that do need to be addressed having kind of read through that seeing the team broken down into the various departments what are the areas that we can say we'll put them to one side they don't need to be dealt with next year
0: yeah I think obviously because of Saudi Arabia now nothing can be written off so obviously like you mentioned everything hinges on unexpected transfer's not happening but given the squad that you mentioned i think uh obviously a couple of names this season could be considered as first team options as well That i think you missed out potentially gerald kwanza he could be considered in the center back department and, and a few other youngsters who are making you know um good progress uh, but we'll see we'll, we'll see where they're at um for me i think we can pretty much say we're, we're content with the number eights at the club, even if Thiago leaves. I think we've got enough now there with Harvey Elliott as well and all the new boys coming in. I think that, for me, is a close case. Um, everything else, I think maybe the number nines, we've got enough with Hakpo, Shota and uh, Darwin Nunez. But everything else, I think, is kind of in the open. Um, left-wingers, I think... okay that one might be closed but right wing obviously bender we he could potentially be a backup option to Mohamed salah but then we don't know what's going to happen with Mohamed salah as well and obviously if he leaves then you need to replace him um holding midfield again not quite quite convinced that there is still enough there uh centre backs I mentioned Kwanzaa, but a lot of hinges on how he how quickly he's able to adapt to the first team environment. At the moment we can't make that prediction with potentially Matip leaving as well. I think Liverpool will have to consider that department. Uh, and right back and left back as well. I think those kind of positions is where you know Connor Bradley is currently being considered as Trent Alexander Arnold's backup. I don't know we don't know how well he's gonna do obviously he's ruled out injured until october or november time so not expected back anytime soon um in the left back department i don't know if costa Timikas wants to stick around forever andy robertson is not getting any younger um he's i think he's been brilliant in the newcastle and in the aston villa game but before that he did have a slightly dip in form that kind of made me question whether we need to be looking at a serious long-term option in 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 the left-back department and then goalkeeper obviously Alisson hopefully he will stay uh but with Kevin Callagher we don't really know what's going to happen with him I don't expect him to be content with being the second choice next summer as well uh I kind of expect him to move on this summer but it seemed like you know Liverpool having so many other things going on they kind of managed to convince him to stay for one more year but it does feel like he's staying for one more year and next summer he will probably be moving on to pastures new
1: yeah so obviously we've gone through like a lot of areas there and and we'll we'll come on to breaking those down individually in terms of like you say the ones we can rule out central midfield you know in terms of those number eight positions has been decisively addressed by Liverpool uh, this summer which is obviously good Centre-forward as well, you know, you got to consider the fact that most of the puzzle-attacking options, you know, four of the the five main ones are all still a good age as well. That won't need to be addressed, I don't think. Left-wing, like you say, um, probably doesn't need looking at either. And I think, to be fair, goalkeeper and left-back is one of them where if it stays the way it is, it's probably fine. But Mm. again, the question is, I mean, Keller, it feels inevitable that he's going to go eventually, you know, players just need to have their own kind of careers uh, at a certain point. And I'm surprised he didn't go. I'm probably even more surprised that Simmercast didn't go. Um, mm. I think I think he's been at Liverpool just over three seasons now. And in terms of his career, it kind of felt like if you were his agent, you'd be like, okay, let's go to Liverpool, do about three years, build our reputation up, and then we can make our own move. Because I think he's about 27 now. So he's getting to the stage where if he wants to kind of be in his prime, uh, a top team as a starter then you'd think maybe it's time for him to kind of make that request to go. But, you know, if he wants to say that, that does suit Liverpool. Um, before we get into then each kind of individual position, um, do you think we can expect a, a January transfer? Maybe this year, obviously, the summer window maybe wasn't entirely complete in terms of what you ideally would have wanted to see Liverpool do. Um and if you actually look at it, Liverpool have made a January sign in, in all but one of their full seasons under Jürgen Klopp. So, do you think, obviously it's just a prediction at this stage and maybe a bit speculative, but do you reckon that trend will continue this year?
0: I think, yeah. Um, obviously, AFCON is going to happen. So, Liverpool will have to look at that. The last time Liverpool made a sort of major signing was during AFCON when Luis Diaz was brought in in January. Obviously, Hakpo as well last summer Sorry, last summer last january but um it does feel like that could be something liverpool look at obviously the saudis seem really desperate to get Mohammed salah so uh, i wouldn't be surprised if they tried to make a move for him in the Janu- january january render as well i don't think that's off the cards i know everyone is talking about next summer but it, it, i think it's a possibility that they could try and get him in January. Uh, I don't have any inside knowledge. That's just kind of my opinion. I think they could go and uh, get that deal done over the line. And obviously for Liverpool, I think they'd be in a slightly better position to get more money for him in the January window, considering he will have a year and a half left on his contract rather than just one year. So if we're in January and we're still talking about 200 million being offered for him and you know it's the it's the beginning of January not the final few days of the window I think Liverpool might consider it knowing that he will be off to AFCON anyway um obviously he's Egypt will be considered as one of the favorites so again they'll be expecting him to play until the final so he could miss quite a fair few games during that time and I think. I I have a slight feeling that that's that's going to be a saga in January, and if we are talking about the same kind of money that's being talked about right now, Liverpool might consider it, and then obviously you will have to look at potential options. And I wouldn't even be surprised if we get to January, but and Liverpool sell Salah, but. It's not Salah that is replaced directly, if that makes sense. If Liverpool wait until the summer to get the, the right winger that they want, maybe play Shota on the right wing or Hakka on the right wing, but bring in potentially a centre-back that's needed or a, a world-class holding midfielder, I think I, that wouldn't surprise me either.
1: The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Yeah, I think you make a,
1: a good point about Salah. And um, we, we will talk a little bit more about him uh, later in the episode. Um, just in terms of, I don't think there's going to be any sense from sense of restraint from the Saudi Pro League in terms of any op- possible opportunity to, to make an offer, to put pressure on Liverpool. I think, I think they'll take. And I, I think probably in large part, the willingness of Liverpool to do a deal. I mean, you mentioned that there is a strong case there with the contract, that the money on the table. You know, obviously the we'll have had a strong start to the season. If if they're in the, the title conversation in January, even though I don't necessarily expect them to be, you know, a front runner, um, then I think they probably would say, you know, let's at least wait till the end of the season. But if it looks like it's gonna be the kind of season where they're just gonna finish, you know, in kind of a quiet third place or something like that. And, you know, they think that selling seller wouldn't necessarily destabilize everything in that regard, then maybe maybe they will consider it. I think it is gonna depend on you know where Liverpool stand I mean I think another option in terms of January one that looks like it might have some legs in it is obviously Andre um you know Fluminese in Brazil have reached the semi-finals of the Copa Libertadores now and that was their line Also, was that we're not gonna let him go because we've got this tournament and we're in the last eight originally and then obviously the semi-finals now so we don't want to jeopardize our chances of winning that which is obviously a, a massive deal if they do um what there seem to be in the reporting from Brazil, there's an indication that he might be available in January, that they might even be willing to kind of, once they'd got through their season, which, you know, just scrolling through the fixtures now, the, the last scheduled game is the 3rd of December. Once that's over, they, they might be willing to, you know, agree a deal in advance. And if Liverpool won that kind of number six in January, um, then, then maybe that is one where things kind of line up, because also, you know, it'd be ideal in the sense of, he'd actually get a few weeks off, whereas if Liverpool had signed him in the summer, then you're basically asking him to play, you know, a season and a half w- without without a break. So it might kind of work out for all parties at that time. So we'll see what happens on that front. We'll come back to Salah in a second. But um, first things first, I mean, let's talk about the what is the number one priority as it stands. So assuming Mohamed Salah does stay, and obviously that is a big if. But if that was the case, what would you say is the the top priority for Liverpool? Next summer, would you say it's centre back, which obviously wasn't addressed this year, or defensive midfield, which was, but with maybe a player who looks a bit of like a stopgap solution in that area?
0: Mm. I think it's interesting that you mentioned Andre. It could all depend on on it whether Liverpool get Andre in January, because if Andre is brought in and he starts go, you know, he gets going and he's he, he has a good sort of half season at Liverpool, then obviously. I think the priority for liverpool in this next summer becomes the centre-back department trying to find potentially an heir to joel matips thrown at liverpool but also virgil van dykes so i think you know the left-sided centre-back position is something that liverpool will have to address although i have been really impressed with joe Gomez since he's come in uh, against newcastle and then did really well at home to Aston Villa and kept Wally Watkins quiet, who look, will have kind of struggled to keep quiet, you know, over the years, even with Virgil Van Dijk on the pitch. So I think I even though even though like he's done well, it's still really early days to to say Gomez can be an option there long term. So for me, the priority is potentially bringing in two centre backs. I think it could be a a uh, similar situation to the midfield um next summer at, at the back I think um obviously you need matter replaced and I think you do need to find a long-term solution for um Virgil van Dijk as well.
1: Yeah you've actually hit on something I wanted to you know to follow up with there in the sense of you know we talked all this summer about you know which centre back is it going to be centre back singular. But there's actually quite a strong argument that Liverpool are going to need two players in that in that area. You know, you've got Matip potentially leaving It's the big thing. You know that, that leaves the hole. But also, Gomez is he going to want to stick around at Liverpool if he doesn't get that indication that he's seen as like a long term option, which he probably isn't. Still, you know, mm. does he want to go the same way as, as Simicas and Keller and and start to you know play it elsewhere? You know, his international career looks a bit dead in the water at the moment but there's a chance that he could revive that if he moves elsewhere obviously it depends how much you know he values that um but in addition to to that you've got obviously van dyke will be a year older um not too far off the end of his contract as well which i think is in 2025 which is a consideration and canate remains injury prone perfect player really when he's on the pitch but you know questions over availability there and I think a lot of the the players we mentioned earlier in terms of loan, you know, players come back from loan, we don't know what will happen with Kwanzaa. With you know, a lot of them might go as well. So there might need to be quite a bit of, of change in that department, really, um, all in a pretty short space of time. So I think, you know, you make a really good point there about how centre-back might become the new midfield next year. Um, returning to the number six issue for a second, though. Um, do you think Liverpool... Are, kind of prepared to wait and see what happens in terms of, you know, we saw McAllister selected over Endo against Aston Villa, which was which was interesting in terms of is he going to be ahead of Endo in the pecking order for that role? So do you think there's an attitude of Liverpool of, okay, we'll see how McAllister does as a number six. We'll see how Bice does when he's, you know, ready to start games again. And maybe even, you know, there's some talk about is Graven Birch going to be used there? Do you think it's one hundred percent clear cut that Liverpool will go out and get, you know, another kind of fabinho type player, or do you think they're of an open mind and ready to look at some internal solutions first? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: I think it's the latter. I, I don't think it's clear cut that Liverpool will get a holding midfielder in in January or next summer. I think. Kind of wrote an article about it for Liverpool.com and McAllister and how impressive he has been in that number six position. If you look at his numbers, he's 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 done really well in that uh, role. He's he's breaking up play a lot. Uh, he's making a lot of tackles, a lot of interceptions, and a lot of recoveries. Almost being Fabinho-esque in terms of his numbers, uh, and as Fabinho-esque at Fabinho in his prime rather than last season or. Or, the, or kind of when he had a dip in form the season before as well, or that the year before that when he played centre-back. So, yeah, um, in that sense, I think McAllister is making a really good case. I know not a lot of people would have expected him to be the holding midfielder, but I think right now, given how well he's settled in, I kind of see him as Liverpool's first choice in that position. Uh, obviously, Endo does still question marks i think he's a good player but i think he will need a bit of time to settle and i think potentially he'll be used as a europa league option first alongside by and i think what will be really interesting is how liverpool are sort of transitioned into a double pivot in possession with trent alexander arnold um dropping into the middle if that persists I think we might not see another holding midfielder, or another traditional number six player brought in, because I think all the options that Liverpool have, McAllister, Bajsetic, Thiago and Endo, that all they all kind of work in a double pivot. And that goes for birch as well. People have question marks about him playing as a sole number six because he's never done it before. But he has played as a, in a double pivot as a holding midfielder. And even if we're talking about Andre, again, for me, he's the kind of player who isn't necessarily an out-and-out out holding midfielder, like a Fabinho. He's more like a Thiago-type player who thrives in possession, who is very good at breaking up play and making tackles and interceptions. But if you play him as the sole holding midfielder, you're losing a lot of his quality on the ball. So I think given the fact that Liverpool have persisted with Trent Alexander-Arnold inverting, I'm not sure if the holding midfield issue is that much of an issue anymore.
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting point. And people ask questions about why Liverpool signed Gravenberch when they didn't have a defensive midfielder and, you know, why wasn't that the position that was addressed, you know, more emphatically? But I I did wonder, watching that Aston Villa game at the weekend, is the plan potentially for Graven Birch to be the starter as the left-sided eight with McAllister behind him? Because I think we looked at it and thought, well, hang on, Graven Birch, he's not played much at Bayern. Is he now coming into a situation where he's actually... Competing with McAllister and Jones at Liverpool, and he's going to find, you know, his minutes limited here as well. But maybe the reason Klopp was so desperate to bring him in was that he actually saw his midfield template is involving both of those players at the same time, which I think a lot of people have thought that they're on a bit of a collision course. But you know, they could both be accommodated. I think that's something to watch out for definitely. Um, and yeah, it's not necessarily. I think it is clear cut on the centre back front, um, especially yeah. if Magic goes, but on the defensive midfield side of things. I think it will, like you say, depend on what we see happening this season and whether it looks like a hole in the team or whether Liverpool can kind of go about things a different way. Um, but obviously, one of the big transfer stories and one thing that's going to have a huge bearing on what Liverpool do next year is what happens with Mohamed Salah. We're recording this before the Saudi deadline. I think the assumption, touch wood, is that you know nothing will, will, will happen in, in the next 24, 48 hours, and and Salah will remain at Liverpool at least until the turn of the year. But obviously, you know, say Mohamed Salah goes in June next year at the end of the season, um, Liverpool get a big pot of money to add to their transfer budget. Do you think that Liverpool are going to go out and basically bring in one of the world's best, you know, invest pretty much all the money they'd get for Salah in a replacement? you know just to kind of go like for like or do you think there's a possibility that say I'll throw a name out there just Jared Bowen for example more probably in the mid-range price tier they go and get someone similar to Salah in the sense of his price tag you know kind of that not necessarily completely premium option um and then maybe invest the majority of the money in kind of uh, a generational talent at center back or a generational talent in the number six position I mean, is it is it one of them where Style is so unique that Liverpool can't afford to do a, a kind of quintessential transfer and bring in someone who needs a bit of time to build up? Do they need to go out there actually and bring in someone who's well classed straight away, which we haven't necessarily seen them do? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Yeah, I think a lot will depend on who's the sporting director as well. I think obviously Schmadke's... We don't know what's going to happen with him, uh, if he's kept on or not. Um, there are some rumours about other potential candidates. Some people making a return. We'll see what happens with that as well. Um, but for me, I think he, you got to sort of moneyball it. Um, that's the best way to describe it. you you got to bring... Uh, you can't replace Salah. Um, even if you go for a premium option like you threw a name on there I'm going to throw another name on there Bukayo Saka for example who might cost the same amount I don't think his output is quite as good as Salah I don't think he'll be able to score as many goals as Salah Uh, long run I don't think he'll ever be able to get to be that 30 goal a season uh, sort of forward so I don't even if you're paying for the premium options, I don't think you'll quite get the output. I know look, some people have talked about Kiyoskelia. Again, very early days for Kiyoskelia. I know he's been re- brilliant for Napoli, but he's been playing on the left wing. Um, will he be able to transition to a right winger? I'm not quite sure. Uh, so even these premium options have question marks over them as well. Um, for me, maybe not Jared Bowen, but I think there are... A lot of talented right-wingers in the market who are a similar profile to Mohamed Salah I think Bowen would also be a good option but uh, I was kind of looking at other potential candidates who are left-footed and play on the right wing or who could be right-wingers for Liverpool and kind of drew a list of names sort of like Brian M. doing really well at Brentford he could be an option if he continues the season that he's having in the Premier League uh, I know people will kind of roll their eyes at him if he is the option to replace Salah but um, I do think that he could be someone capable and worthy of being that right winger for Liverpool and kind of posting similar numbers but at the same time he won't be as expensive as a Saka and it will allow Liverpool to invest in, in in other options and other priorities, because like we mentioned, the centre-back department is something that needs to be addressed. And on top of him, I think a few other players that's worth looking into is Xavi Simmons at Leipzig. Obviously, we've done quite a lot of business now with, with Red Bull clubs. Um, he's It's quite interesting, I think, that he's playing on the right wing. Uh, he is right-footed, but he ha- he's playing as a right-winger for Leipzig. So he's someone, I think, to keep an eye on. And then the RB at Aston Villa, maybe someone to consider. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Bakayoko at PSV. Um, Michael Olisse, again, someone potentially who could be there um, next summer to, to make that step up. Um, Karim Adeyemi, I think he's got a few more question marks because he's not even starting for Borussia Dortmund at the moment. Um and then lastly, I think someone who started the season really well just kind of caught my eye is Kuba Real Sociedad. Um, he scored a couple of goals at the weekend. That kind of just reminded me of Salah. There's one when he sort of runs in behind the defence and scores a one-on-one brilliantly with his left foot from the right. And then another where he kind of sort of cuts him from the right wing, um, puts it onto his left foot and curls it into the top corner. Um obviously again he's not someone who can even be compared to Salah in terms of his output but he is very young and he does have a lot of potential and I think he could do a job for Liverpool and I think it's just going to be about trying to find the most cost effective and the best option who isn't necessarily going to be an out-and-out replacement for Salah, but who can do a job on Liverpool's right wing and who who fits into the profile of what Jürgen Klopp wants from his attackers, and then having the freedom to sort of invest in the market. Similarly, when Liverpool sold Coutinho, Coutinho wasn't actually ever directly replaced, but Liverpool did become a better team and did have a much stronger starting eleven after.
1: The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think that's a great point you make about Coutinho because you are trying to raise the collective ceiling. You know, you don't necessarily need a thirty-goal right winger to to win the league. You just need to kind of have that output from other players. And I think what's interesting there is, you I mean all, all the options you mentioned are obviously very good players, but like you say, there there is no one there who is kind of fully. A worthy Salah replacement, and that's not, you know, a knock on them. We're talking about mm-hmm. probably the best right winger in the world over over a number of years now. Um, you know, you mentioned Kavarat Scalia there. I think I saw a stat the other day that he's gone about 25 games without a, a goal from open play or something like that. Again, you know, you look at a Salah who's incredibly consistent. Someone like Elise as well. One of the probably one of the best players to watch in the league. Definitely more of like a, a playmaker from the right wing as well. Yeah. So he opens up the question of. Do you go to more of a a creative presence there rather than a goal scorer and and look to your number nine to be kind of a a bit of a a monster when it comes to the goal scoring side of things? So, yeah, I think a lot of question marks in terms of, you know, style of play. You know, what Liverpool, do they want an exact clone of Stella, how much will they have to evolve? And those are the questions that they're going to have to confront. And I think not only, you know, you mentioned there that there's a case for maybe, there's arguably a case for getting multiple players to, you know, you know, replace Salah. Um, You mentioned the money ball approach where, you know, they'd maybe get a few players who who can collectively do what he does, not only in terms of the goal scoring, but the the minutes played as well. You know, the volume of football. um, There's a lot of right-wingers out there who've got probably decent injury records, but still can't touch shallow when it comes to availability. And I think that's something else that would have to be considered as well. So very, very interesting uh, question um, for Liverpool. And I think, like I say, one that might have to be addressed um, because it looks like any potential replacement is a downgrade but that doesn't mean that the team has to suffer overall um, but let's kind of just mop up the the last couple of positions that, that we touched on earlier, I mean the fullback areas I think especially right back um, looks like it might need to be addressed as well there were one or two calls maybe for that to happen this summer but on the back burner obviously with midfield and then and then centre back needing to be addressed as well but You know, we have this new system where, you know, Trent's moving into midfield. There isn't necessarily anybody else who is comfortable doing that at the moment or has shown that at a competitive level. And then you've got, obviously, Calvin Ramsey. You know, the idea when he came in last year was, I think he was going to be that long-term deputy. Looked quite similar in in terms of style of play. Looked like a really good signing. But, honestly, his injury record over the past two years, he's had an absolute nightmare on that front. So, a lot of question marks over him unfortunately so do you think Liverpool are going to need to go out and bring in you know another proper specialist with maybe a bit more experience for that position next year
0: I think in an ideal world I I would like to see someone come in but the problem for Liverpool in that position it's such a hard sell for to bring in anyone who is even moderately qualified for, for that job because Trent Alexander-Arnold, I mean, I know we're talking at a time when he is injured, but he is very rarely injured and he very rarely misses games for Liverpool. So we're basically pitching to a potential player. You're going to come in, be back up to Alexander-Arnold and play only a handful of games a season. And I think no player in their, in their right mind wants to do that. And this, that's why Liverpool have kind of been forced to bring in a player like Calvin Ramsey, who, by the way, did have a really good season in Scotland. But he was a bit more of a project signing who would have probably been expected to play in the under-21s to begin with. And that's what he did until he got injured. And then now he's been sent out on loan. And I think he's injured again at Preston, so hasn't played yet. Um, I do think... Connor Bradley is someone who is interesting. Um, he did really well in pre-season, uh, during the first half of pre-season when he was fit in in, in the Germany camp. Uh, and he did, he kind of played that role similar to Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I think he did quite well. Um, obviously, the, the opposition that Liverpool faced in those games wasn't quite the quality that, he'd maybe encounter in the Premier League or even in the Europa League. But I think it's a real shame that he picked up this injury and he, he won't now be able to be to, to play until, I think, late October, early November time. So, um, again, by that point, Liverpool, I think, will haven't played most of their Europa League games, which would have been his big chance, his big opportunity to kind of prove himself. So that's a real shame. But I'm still hoping he he will have a bit of a role when he does come back from injury and he will be given a few chances um but yeah overall i think ideally i would like to see a backup right back i just think it's a really hard sell and i think um it, it's a it's a really tough balance between finding someone who is good enough for that role a kind of costas timicas but who's also willing to to sit on the bench and. For for the majority of the season, and then come in and play, um, uh, in replace of Trent Alexander Arnold for really a handful of games.
1: Yeah, I think you know as as good as Robertson is, there's always going to be more opportunities there, and and the system is really built around Trent Alexander Arnold, which has the consequence of you know obviously inflating his importance, and then because he is kind of the main man, you know, kind of the the MVP figure at the moment, it's kind of. You know, like you say, Ben, you know, people will be looking at it from the outside and just thinking, how can I possibly, you know, compete? I've basically just got to wait for cup games. I've got to wait for, you know, these very really rare, you know, games where Trent's unavailable as well. So it is one of them where on paper you say, you know, why haven't they gone out and addressed this? They they need to do it. You know, they don't have the reliable deputy at the moment. I think, like you say, because of um, Bradley being injured, it looks like Joe Gomez is going to have to play right back in in the Europa League and I can't necessarily see him moving into an inverted midfield role to be honest but you know who knows what will happen um so that will probably expose that hole in the squad but it's much easier kind of to say that it needs to be addressed and to actually go out and do it properly and I think that is a that is a fair point but yeah we'll uh we'll leave it there for, for this episode obviously we've talked about multiple areas that need to be um looked at there all across the team and it looks like it's been a very big year, obviously, on the transfer front with a lot of change, but it looks like the, the upheaval and the uh, evolution, revolution, whatever you want to call it, is, is definitely going to continue next year. So, yeah, that'll be all for this episode of the Liverpool.com podcast. We'll be back next week with another one. And in the meantime, remember to check out all the written content that goes up on the site. But, yeah, until the next one, take care. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.